Thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. There'd be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they manage things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. And very warm welcome. We are back and this is kicking off the podcast, Learning From Life. I'm Linda Sage and as always, yes, another amazing guest. And uh, kicking off today, we have with us somebody very special actually, Nigel Risner, and he's also known as the Chief Zookeeper. Hi Nigel, thanks for joining us. My absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to this all weekend. <laughs> so let's just get to grips. Who is Nigel Risner for those of people that don't know you? So I am a motivational leadership, inspirational speaker who does a lot of coaching with chief exec groups. Uh, I also seem to do a lot of work at the moment with the National Health Service and with young offenders. Um, some people call me an irritational speaker. Some people call me a motivational speaker. But I'm also known as the zookeeper because I run a program on communication using animals as a metaphor. Yeah, and I must admit, uh, you're very, very humorous when you're speaking. Does that come naturally? Well, that's really interesting because for a very long time, I wasn't funny at all. And the more I relaxed and wasn't looking for the applause, but was looking for results, the, the, the more I just relaxed and was, if that makes sense. So I used to be very serious and on point. And then over the last, probably, I'm going to say, six, seven years, I've just let go and had fun. And it makes such a difference. Well, the problem was I came from a training background where everything was quite prescriptive. And so I thought that's what you needed to do. And then I was asked to do a 20-minute speech much earlier than I thought I was ready. And you can't do what you'd normally do in a training. You've got to go full out and share ideas and share stories and share ways to create action. And I think that's what changed my approach to public speaking, commercial speaking, etc. I must admit, for a lot of people, public speaking, it's, it's actually the top fear. I think, you know, it's, it's up there in the 90s that people are scared of speaking in public. Yet we all do it every day, one-to-one -to, -one to another person. Yet the idea of getting up and speaking in front of other people is very daunting. I think it's more that we're so worried what the other person is thinking that we are nervous how we come across. And I often will ask from stage if anybody actually knows what I'm thinking. Because that's how fear when we speak in public. And so right now, if you ask me what I'm thinking, Linda, right this second, it's I should have probably bought a bar of chocolate in because I'm starving. That's what I'm thinking <laughs> right now. I'm not worried about the results of the podcast or how I'm going to come across. And that's what 99% of us are focused on. It's not the other person we're focusing on. So you might have been wearing an outfit and thought, I wonder if this skirt is too long, too short. It's, you know, up, down, and my hair's right. That's not what I'm thinking about 99% of the time. I'm thinking about, I wonder what time this, we're going to finish this podcast. Am I going to have some chocolate before my next coaching client? Am I going to walk the dog? 
what you know they're things that's going through my mind and so yeah. if people could understand that 99% of people are not thinking what they're thinking public speaking wouldn't be an issue so was it a natural transition for you from trainer to speaker or was it a, a decision that you sort of made so my background is actually commercial finance so I was one of the youngest CEOs at 26 in the city. I raised venture capital. I had venture capital in my business. We were going public. We didn't go public. And then I went on a training course and I thought I'd like to be involved in training people how to run their businesses more effectively. And I went to the state, studied on and off for three years, backwards and forwards. And so I was wanting to build people's self-esteem but you can't use that word in England, which I'll come back to. I wanted to build people's peak performance. I wanted them to lead people better. And then I got involved in training. And then a speaker agency asked, could I do a 40-minute speech? Well, I'd only ever done like one day or two days. So to speak for 40 minutes was daunting for me. So I've gone the other way around. To speak only for 20 to 40 minutes is much harder for me than doing a, a three-hour or one-day program. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can deal with that because I've come in from a similar background as well. You know, you if you've got all day or if you've got an hour and a half or three hours in a classroom or training room, you you can fit so much in. But just talking for a set amount of time is uh, much more directive. Well, it's more that you've got to make an impact from the beginning. So I wrote a book called The Impact Code, and really, when I wrote that book in two thousand and six. That really honed in and made me very focused on, you know, making sure people were in the room, which is my big thing. You know, I want people to be really focused. So the only thing I'm focused on right now is you and this podcast. The only person who I love in the whole wide world is you because you're my connection. Later on tonight, when my wife has finished work and I'm sitting down having dinner with her, I'll love her a little bit more than you. Okay. <laughs> Where it should be. Yeah, but you see, what I'm saying is, but right now, I love you more because yes. I'm dealing with you. And most of the time, most speakers are so worried about the applause and how they look and how they feel that they're not focused on the task at hand. And my fear for lots of speakers is they're so worried about their scores, they're not worried about the impact they're making and the results that can be created long term. And, and of course, this can be transferred as well to even job interviews because people get so worried about you know, what they look and how they feel comfortable that they don't always come across their best as well. Well, but that's in every interaction you're having with people. So in the moment, where is your attention? And if your attention is in the wrong place, you deserve to fail in that sense. Now, I often will say to people, you know, if we're doing a Zoom call with a number of staff, and I say, if you're at home and you're homeschooling and your child is ill, you should be with them, not on this Zoom call, because you are not focused. And they go, yeah, but I, I should be here. I said, no, no, I want you to leave, go and have lunch with your kids, and then if you get time, come back. And you just watch the relief come. Because in leadership, and you all know this, that you're trying to lead people to be the best version of themselves. But if their mind is somewhere else, you know, my father's 88 and a half. He's just moved around the corner from me. There are times I'm worried about my father and I need to go and see him. Well, then I need to tell my clients that I'll have to change the time because my dad comes first. My wife comes first. My kids come first. The problem is we're so worried what everyone else is going to think that we forget this 
and then we go on a Zoom call, and then we we do what's called MPS, missing presumed selling. So we think that you're the, the staff members there, but their mind is elsewhere. Well, that's just a waste of time for everybody. Very, yeah, and uh, it also it's so consuming. The Zooms. I mean, I think a lot of people now are so zoomed out that the time and the concentration required. Well, my Zoom calls are only 42 minutes. Mm -hmm. 99% of my sessions are 42 minutes. And in the afternoon, after four o'clock, they're non-existent. I think people by four o'clock have had enough. Yeah. You know, and if, you've got, if you're at home and you're homeschooling, or you've got three partners also working from home, and you've got computers going on, it's just too much for people. You'd never be in front of a screen for eight, nine hours. So why would you expect people to be working that way and interacting? So I don't, I virtually don't do any work after four o'clock. It's, it's a great way of planning. Well, I think I'm one of the best in the world between eight and 11, in the top 10 between 11 and three, and I'm in the top 62 million after four o'clock. So I don't know why someone would book me to speak at their event that late in the afternoon when I know that's not my time zone. Now, you might be one of these people who works better from three till 11 at night. Well, then great, but that's just not my connection. That's not my time. But if you're a great leader, you know your staff's great times. You know when they're most effective. And, and obviously this last year has been a big change for everybody. And especially, I mean, the speaking world really sort of collapsed like the entertainment world. So learning from this year, what's some of the biggest lessons that you've actually taken out of this? How lovely it is that I don't have to go on a plane to do a 45-minute speech. So tomorrow I'm speaking in Australia at 6.30 in the morning my time and I will be finished at quarter past eight and then the rest of the day is mine and I'm earning the same fee that I earned when I was in Australia two years ago. Wow. Just without the travel. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit which says this has progressed my business in a much bigger way than I thought. I'm much older than you. I'm 58. So I'm near retirement in one way. And I now know what retirement's going to look like. Because I can do three or four sessions a week. I can do four or five Zoom calls. Some coaching. Without travelling too much. Now I love travel. I love the adventure. So when things go back to some sort of. I'm not going to say normality. It won't ever be. But when it goes back to something, I'm going to quite enjoy doing Zoom and doing Singapore in the morning and Australia in the afternoon. I did New Zealand last Friday at 11.30 at night. But that's, that's where the world has opened up. So what I've learned is online has a place. Being face-to-face -face has a place. Having products has a place. And spending quality time with your family has a place. Have you actually had more time with your family now that you're not travelling? Oh, this year, I mean, I made a joke the other day, and it came out slightly wrong. I said, I've never slept that many nights with, with the same woman for so long. <laughs> that wasn't quite what I meant to say. But, I, you know, when, when the pandemic started in March, in the January, I had been in Dubai, Ireland, uh, the Cayman Islands, and Morocco, just before the pandemic, and Scotland. Well, that was in four weeks. I'd done five different countries. And I'd been away for nearly two and a half weeks in that time. Since March, I've been to Lithuania. Uh, I've been to Newcastle three times. And the rest of the time, I've been at home walking my dog, having an, an amazing time.
And, and still doing the same work, really? I'm not doing the same amount of work. I'm doing about 70% of the, of the work I was doing before. Mm-hmm. But I've got much more energy, much more time. Um, and, I'm, and, I, and you may or may not know or you may not remember. So I had a brain aneurysm four years ago. Yeah. And in that year, I did 160 presentations in 32 countries. Well, at some point, your brain's going to explode. You know, you just can't be keeping your body doing that type of work. And you probably know, you know, I was one of the busiest speakers in the whole of 2000, you know, 2010 to 2018. I did something like a thousand plus presentations. You know, at some point, you've just got to recognize your body can only do so much. But what we do as speakers is we think we're invincible. And what this has shown us is that we don't have to take every gig. We don't have to do every deal. And we teach our clients how to treat us. So a lot of my clients have allowed me to do certain work, you know, much earlier, shorter sessions, more sessions, and I've had more fun. You know, that's the point. And the animal stuff, you know, we, we created an online personality assessment tool. I would never have had the time to create a product that is so phenomenal, if I say so myself, but it's so brilliant, but I'd never have had the time to create it. Steve, when I did Prague in the morning and Copenhagen in the afternoon. Wow. Well, and you know, there's only, you know, and so you, you do all this and part of it's quite a bit of fun because it's the challenge of, you know, can you do two countries in a day? And then when I did Australia and New Zealand, I did it in five and a half days. Wow. You know, I'm not one of these people I want to get there three days before and acclimatise. You know, if I'm going to be on my own, I only want I want to get in and get out. Yeah. I've got a job to do and I've got a family to come home to. You know, I'm hoping in the next two years, maybe my wife will come with me for longer periods of time. But my wife is a child and adolescent psychotherapist, so she has her own clients as well. So... I've I've always been one of these speakers that, not that I've come from scarcity, but if a client wants to book me and I can make it work, I'll do it. And, you know, everything's a possibility. So, you know, I've done Plymouth in the morning and Edinburgh in the afternoon. You know, I've hired a private helicopter. I've done that. Wow. And, of course, now you can do that. You can be in different countries in a day and, and be in the same armchair. Well, well, that's part of the new advantage that and I didn't believe. I'd never done a Zoom call before March. So I'd never, ever done anything online. So I didn't even know it was a possibility. I remember paying a PSA member to coach me on how to use Zoom. And I've had lots of coaching in lots of different areas. And this girl said to me, and I'm not being disrespectful, she went, well, you must know how to use this. I went, if I knew how to use it, I wouldn't be paying you. I said, now show me what button to press to do this. And I took pictures of my screen, and then she sent me pictures on my phone, so I knew what she was talking about. I'm not computer illiterate. I now know how to share my screen, and I've got a green screen. I've never used it, but I've got one. And there's loads of things you can do. And, you know, I started a podcast two years ago. I wrote another book. I then did an online product. All that stuff is because I'm now at home. Because you are humorous and you use humour a lot within your communication, do you miss that? Does that drop on Zoom or do you um, find that... Well, well, this is really a great question to ask. Because I use lots of props and I don't use many slides, the props look clearer on Zoom than they do when you're on stage. So, you know, I've got monkey hats, I've got an elephant, a dolphin, a lion hat, I've got 
different bars of chocolate. I've got lots of different props. So I find it easier to sit in my office with all of my props handy and I'm not relying on a table and a glass of water and everything else. It's all just here. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, one of my clients, literally, I did a presentation on Friday um, for a, a European client. And the only reason I'm going to just share three lines from it is because they, they, this is what they actually said. Thank you for the brilliant event. We found it absolutely energizing and insightful. You customized it to our tech company and platform provider. Well, if I can do that to a pan-European client online and they've never met me before, I think that just shows you can do it. Does it mean every one of my presentations has been brilliant? No. But 95% of the stuff I've done online has been at least a 9 or a 9.5. And is it something that you feel that this is going to be your way forward or will oh, you go back and... Absolutely not. The day I can get back on a, on a platform <laughs> and I can get back on stage. But what it does mean is that, you know, a Sri Lankan client, you know, I've got a client in Sri Lanka who's desperate for me to fly over there. I'm not going to be flying over there until I feel safe, till they feel safe, whatever. Yeah. So we can do some other stuff in the meantime. Yeah. So, Nigel, how did you get with the, the concept of the zoo with the animals? Okay, so I was doing a programme for a Chamber of Commerce at Whipsonade Zoo. And in the corner of my eye, I saw a gentleman wearing a long brown overall that said zookeeper on the back with a trestle table on wheels with about eight different buckets. And each bucket was labelled a different animal. So it was mm -hmm. like the monkeys, the dolphins, lions... I can't remember all of them at the time. And what came up for me was a great zookeeper knows what food to feed each animal. And the better you feed the animal, the better results and care they have, the better they perform, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. okay. And so I knew about other communication styles. The problem was whenever I asked somebody what they were, they said, you know, I'm an orange or I'm a a high E or M-E-N-F. I don't, I don't know what it means. So when I looked at the animals and I thought, what works in an office? Well, you've got someone like me who's a monkey. I'm a bit cheeky. I'm a bit playful. I'll get there in the end, but the results won't be 100% accurate. That's classic monkey behavior. And then you've got your lions who are running the organization and they're very focused and they're the directors and they're short, sharp to the point. And then you had HR and training, which traditionally were dolphins. And the elephants were much more the accountants, lawyers, chartered surveyors, chartered engineers. So you had these mixture of animals in a zoo, but unless you led them well, and unless you fed them well, which was the zookeeper's role, you had disharmony in your zoo. And when you have animals running riots, it is not cool to work there. Yeah, no, it's very, very clear. And it stands out very clearly when you explain it. Well, also, you know, when you think, you know, it is a zoo out there, you know, we, we live yeah. in a world where, and I don't know how many, if you're married, you've got children, whatever, but if you're married and you've got two children, your oldest child often is a lion stroke elephant and your second child is much more dolphin monkey. And when you share that to an audience and you start sharing some of the characteristics, you watch the audience go, yeah, that's my son, that's my daughter. <laughs> you know, I, I live with a massive elephant. I mean, she's a size 12 and she's stunning. But my wife's a massive elephant. She's process-driven. 
you know, she couldn't have just jumped onto this podcast without 48 questions. She'd never have understood what Clean Feed Pro is. You know, she wouldn't have understood it all. As a monkey, you had to ring me. I went, I'm sure I've seen something. I haven't got it. And within one second, we're working. Yeah. Well, monkeys can do that because we're more adaptable. But elephants will be much more professional once they get going. It just takes them a bit of time to get going. Very true. So no, it's it's gr- with your staff, it's no use wondering why elephants don't speak out in meetings. They won't speak out in a meeting in case they look silly or get it wrong. The monkeys talk way too much because we're just bored. The lions would much rather be right than happy. And the dolphins are busy making sure everyone's got biscuits and tea. <laughs> and, and the problem is, however you look at it, you know, if you go to a buffet, you'll watch the animals perform in the same way. You go to a networking event, you'll see the animals perform in the same way. The problem is when you try and treat them all the same way, you've lost 75% of the audience. You've lost 75% of your staff. Yeah. So putting people on Zoom, you know, an elephant knows how to get onto Zoom or to Teams or to WebEx. An elephant, if it doesn't work first time, there's not a chance they're going to work it out. You know, they're not going to go onto a YouTube video to understand how to connect sound. So when your guy asks me if I've got headphones, I'm sure there must be somewhere in the, in the whole of North London. I just don't have So I don't know how to do that. I wouldn't even know where to put them. But an elephant would have nine different types of headphones ready just in case. And then it would run into panic. You know, that, so you just need to understand that when you're working with an audience, when you're working with a team, your role is to become the zookeeper and feed them the food they want. You may or may not know, we then did advanced zookeeping, which is what happens when your animals go rogue. So I can very easily turn into a hyena. So it looks like I'm smiling and laughing, but underneath it, I'm ready for the attack. You know, the dolphins can very easily look pleasant, but if you really piss them off, they can go into what I call shark mode. And so we've advanced our zoos. We've got more animals for really skilled and sophisticated zookeepers. Yeah. And it seems so clear. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, when when you say it, it's like, oh, yes, of course. Why not? Why, do, why, why don't we do that all the time? <laughs> well, and that's the point. So when we share about being a zookeeper... And people start saying, yeah, my clarity and my communication changed at home when I understood that my wife wants a list. Well, what a surprise. Mm-hmm. She wants a list because she's an elephant. Yeah. You know, when I go shopping and my wife says, can you bring back some cheese? Because I haven't asked the right questions. I just bring back 10 different cheeses because I can't be bothered to go back. Yeah. My wife will know which aisle, which fridge to go to and which cheese we've eaten for the last eight years. <laughs> yeah. There and the point is, it's not right or wrong. It just is. Yeah. So she's not right. I'm not wrong. She, I'm not wrong. She's not right. So, But it's managing your zoo. And most, and this is going to be nasty for me to say, 90% of people who work with staff have no idea what their motivation is, why, what their driver is, why they come to work. And when they can figure that out, then you can motivate and share and have a different business relationship. But when we don't find that out. So my briefing meetings with my clients often are as long as my speech because I need to understand what the real pain is in the organisation, what the real issue is. Yeah, very much so. So, Nigel, what's uh, the future holding for you? What do you think is going to be happening? Um, I think I'm going to be much pickier on which events I go to. My Mm -hmm. fees are probably going to go up. Um, I'm going to continue doing Zoom. I might write another book. 
Um, but I'm definitely going to do an online course mm -hmm. of something. Because I'm a monkey, I've got no idea what that's going to look like. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. But some sort of, you know, three-month, six-month course, which you can do online. You know, small nuggets of communication. Sounds wonderful. And apart from work, what about yourself? Do you have any uh, aspirations that you'd like to be doing for you? Um, I'd like to be 28 pounds thinner. Um, I've lost 12. I've got 28 to go. Wow. Um, I'd like to I'd like to walk more um, with my dog because we, we do that every day. But I'm, I'm very happy just as I am. You know, I've been married 35 years, happily four. You know, we've been together nearly 40 years. Mm -hmm. My life works. You know, I've got a great support system. I've got a, some great mastermind groups. I work with a number of other speakers. I've got some associates that run the zoo program. And I've got great kids. I'm about to become a granddad in the next 10 days. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So life is pretty good. It's wonderful to hear that as well, because in these days, it's so easy. People thinking, you know, that things are difficult and they're hard and isolated. But it's great when you get a good story coming out that uh, things do work. Well, you know what? Of course, I'd like to see my, my dad in my house more and have my brother over for dinner with his wife, who's a teacher with two young kids. But I can't have them in the house because I've got about to have a grandchild and I'm nervous and, you, and the laws and the restrictions. So I can't wait for it to change. But whilst we've got what we've got, what we have to do is make the best of every day. And too many people keep saying, you know, when it gets back to normal, there's no going back to normal. When we know the new rules, then we'll deal with that. I, I really think phrase, as well. That phrase of, you know, working from home. If you're working from home, you've got a home and you've got work. So I think that's where we need to start. Yeah, great place. Well, Nigel, time always gets the better of us. We could talk for hours because you're fascinating to uh, you listen to. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast. I've really enjoyed it. So I'm going to just drop you on the spot as you like to be the, the, the monkey. One piece of advice that you've received from somebody that has really sort of resonated with you, what would you say it is? Um, be results orientated and not applause orientated. Fantastic. Thank you. And Nigel, where can people get hold of you or find you if they're looking for if you? If they go to nigelrisner.com or they go onto my LinkedIn profile, which I'm sure is Nigel Risner, or Facebook, which I'm sure is Nigel Risner, They'll find me there and there's a, uh, an animal quiz which they can download, take part in, and they'll find out which animal they are. Lovely. Thank you so much for being with us and giving us uh, this time. And stay safe and have lots of fun. And you too. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, the great thing about the podcast is you can listen to it over and over again because there were so many golden nuggets there from Nigel. So enjoy, stay safe, and I'll be back with you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded in conjunction with the Chapel FM Art Centre and East Leeds FM radio station. For more information about them and all the good work that they do is www.elfm.co.uk And to know more about what Linda Sage is doing, her website is www.lindasage.com Also on all the other social medias.